All right, I'd like to stop one more time and ask for God's clear involvement and help as we open His Word. It is really so wonderful to have you here today. Would you pray with me? Father, we do look to you as the one who knows us so, so well. And we thank you for your knowledge of us better than we know ourselves. We also thank you that we are able to know you. We praise you for experiences that we have. We praise you for opening our eyes one day to the need of our salvation. And we praise you that right now we can open your word. Would you allow us, Heavenly Father, to be different because of our time spent in it today? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I wanted to start out by showing you these items that I have over here displayed on a chair. And it might be that one of these items might look familiar to you might look familiar to some of you parents. This is a representation of some of our lost and found here around Calvary. And it's not a problem. We have plenty of, you know, hooks and shelves to store things on. And um, some of these things have been here for quite a while. I know somebody was asking about some missing reading glasses not too long ago. And um, we've got a pair here. We have some things that are uh, for babies. We have some things that are for grown-ups. If some of you, this has been here for quite some time, so that might be available for the highest bidder, actually, that one there. And then also, I've got a stack here of some Bibles that are in here. And some of them, that's a MacArthur Study Bible. That's about a, maybe a $75 Bible right there. And I'll let you know that I have looked at all the items in the Lost and Found, and I have looked through these particular Bibles. I can say with authority something about these items. You will not find any identification on any of these. I've looked. Oftentimes in Bibles, there's even a section to say this Bible belongs to, and I've opened these up and they're blank inside. These coats don't have any names in them, and the other items I've not seen, any identification markers. Please feel free to come up after the service if you are missing something, or if you'd like to have an updated Bible. Please come on up and grab one of those. I'm joking, of course. As I look at those, I want to point us to what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about the Bible. It's a topical message about the importance of God's Word in our lives I would encourage you, if you get a moment, if you, some of you are opening your Bible right now to the front, aren't you? I see you doing that. I don't mind, because otherwise your Bible might end up right here in the stack. So sometime throughout the service, when nobody's looking, go through and just write your name right in that front spot of the Bible so it can get returned to you. You'll have an opportunity to put your identity right there so you don't lose that. But I should share with you something from my heart. As much as I want everybody to have their name in their Bible, I am not nearly as interested in you putting your identity on your Bible as I am in your Bible putting its identity on you. For you to write your name on the Bible takes just a few seconds. But for God's very word to have its identity on you is a process that starts when you begin to study the Bible for yourself and we grow and we grow and we grow as we take it in. And eventually, you'll come across a person that you will say, my goodness, that person just spills out the Bible when they are bumped. 
Or that person is not afraid to have a conversation about the things of God. It might, might, not, be, might not be because they're the smartest person in the room, but it's because they have spent time with their Heavenly Father in the book that He has given. What we'll see in God's Word today is that a knowledge of, combined with an application of God's Word, is going to enable you to better know God's will for your life and to better know the God who gave His Son as a sacrifice so that you could have eternal life. If you turn to Psalm 119, verse 105, please. Psalm 119. And we're just going to focus on one verse there, and then I'm going to direct us to Romans. As you're turning over to Psalm 119, I will point out something very unique about this psalm. This entire psalm is all about the theme of our day. It is about the Bible. 176 verses in Psalm 119. And of those 176 verses, 174 of them have some kind of a reference to God's Word. I'd encourage you to go through and just underline uh, someday and look up all those references. It's beautiful. We'll actually be, be, we'll actually be going into more detail in that um, in our Bible Knowledge Hour when we cover Psalms. Psalm 119 and verse 105 is a verse that maybe many of you don't need to open your Bible to have it in your mind, where it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A couple of points that we're going to see right away from this today, and then it really is my desire to to trigger you, to challenge you. I think for many of you, you've had that burden before to have a regular practice of taking in God's word, knowing it better. For some of you, it might be the very first time that you would have a practice of reading God's word on a daily basis. But I'm going to let you know where I'm heading. That's where I'm heading. That would be success, that you would answer this challenge to have the word of God as something that is not just peripheral on your life, but that it is central. So that when you walk through your world, the word of God is a lamp to your feet. You only understand that reference if you've walked in the dark before. This world that we are in is a dark, dark place. While the sun might shine bright and the snow might brighten it even more, we are in a dark place. And if you go out without the word of God directing you, you are going to be in a place where you are in danger and you are not doing what you need to do to be grateful to a God who loves you. First of all, what we see here is God's written word gives light to our path so that we can avoid many obstacles that cause pain and frustration. I am the first one to say that the call to follow Jesus Christ is not one that is free from pain and free from obstacles. But here's the point that we're getting at with this verse. If you are taking on those pains and those obstacles, you're choosing those. You are saying, you know what? I don't care if I can't see anything and I can walk right into an obstacle. I could stub my toe on something or trip over something hazardous. 
If you are not choosing to allow God's word to penetrate your life daily, to be part of your thinking, direct how you do every aspect of life, then you are choosing pain and frustration that you do not have to choose. It's common that when I pray with someone who's going through a difficult time, I will say this, God, we would never choose this for ourselves, but you've allowed it to come in our life. That prayer doesn't apply to you as God's word clearly gives us so much wisdom, so much instruction, incredible problems that you can avoid. It might involve your tongue, the words that you say. It might involve your selfishness, self-centeredness, always having to be at the middle of someone or some, something. It might have to do with not being open to counsel or direction. The Word of God is filled with instruction about this that God has given to you so that you don't have to go through the pain. And when you don't allow God's Word to let this to, to shine on your daily path, you're choosing something that God does not require of you and He does not want of you. He wants you to walk with wisdom. And that comes by this word. The second area that we see here is God's written word gives, us, gives light to our path so that we can direct our steps to the best placement for success. You see, light helps us to see where we should be going. And you need to have God's word shining that light on your path. I can remember when I was a young man and I was called to help my dad fix the car. Now, let me tell you from my memories, when I went out to fix the car with my dad, I never got to hold a ratchet. I never got to hold a car part. I never got to hold anything except for one item. Anybody here care to guess what item I got to hold when I was repairing the car? Somebody said it. It was the light. It was the, and you know what? That was kind of an insult to me. <laughs> Holding the light. And, of course, I'd get bored, and then I would wander off a little ways, and then I would get rebuked. Hold that on that spot. I can't see it. If I can't see it, I can't fix it, my dad would say. And I was there to hold that light. I would have thought that wasn't a very important job, but can I suggest to you the repair would have never been done if there wasn't a light shining on that needed area. The same thing applies for us. We're going to talk just in a moment about God's will, about Christians that will ask for wisdom and direction and help. And you need to have a practice of shining God's light on your path so you can put your feet in the right place. God's word has been given so you can avoid obstacles and step in the best possible place on your journey. It's likely that you have seen some people in their lives and some of the horrible things they've had to go, go through, and many of those things are a result of ignoring God's clear teaching that is in His Word. Believers have the responsibility of knowing God accurately in their thoughts. And that's a challenge. You need to know God. You need to know God accurately in your thinking. Would you please turn over to Romans chapter 1? We're going to be starting a series in Romans um, in the 1st of February, but amazingly enough, this is the second time that I've gone right to the book of Romans. 
While you're turning there, and while we look at just three verses in Romans chapter 1, let me repeat what I just said. When you come to God's word, you have a responsibility to know God's thoughts accurately. Before we read from there, let me tell you what is going to happen if this book is not part of what's going on. There is something that is going to direct your path. There is something that's going to light your way. If it's God's word, praise the Lord for that. That is obedience, that is wisdom, and that is what you need. And that's the challenge before us today. But I'm going to let you know there's always going to be something that is directing you. Now, to be fair, perhaps you were born in a Christian family. And so there are all kinds of fences, guidelines, all kinds of things that you do, and it becomes second nature to you because you haven't had a choice. That's how you were brought up, perhaps with good Christian values, Perhaps there's an expectation or there was a consequence if you didn't act a certain way. But many, many young people have been raised in a Christian home without ever having these convictions for themselves. All they ever had was borrowed convictions. Perhaps that's you today. You can be part of a church. There's an expectation for the way that you act. So you can get so far with this positive peer pressure but it will not substitute for what God wants you to have. I'll even say this. Some people think that as far as this direction of their path goes, that they've won the Christian lottery being born in America, born in a country where there were so many laws and guidelines that were put down based on God's word, and that is a blessing. I hope you are thankful for that. But it is not a substitution for you having these convictions for yourself. You have to allow the Bible to put its identity on you. And if you do not, something is going to direct the decisions that you make. Maybe that something is good values, and so it'll be a good decision. But if it's for sure not the word of God, then you are susceptible. Let me give you some verses here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip a little bit, and I promise you we'll come back to all these verses later on in our study of Romans. But I want to read verses 21, 25, and 28. And let me tell you where I'm going before I read it. Give me, give me your attention just for a second. Where I'm going is, is something is going to direct your thinking, your path, your direction. God clearly points out a people here who knew God, knew of God, had the right opportunity to follow God, and they did not. And because of that, there's a horrible consequence. Of course, the first of Romans is convincing us that we are sinners, we are in need of a Savior. And so I'm going to read verses 21, 25, and 28 of Romans 1. For although they knew God, catch that, that sounds like America, right? For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him because they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Skip to 25. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed 
forever. Amen. And then verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. So here's a summary of those verses. They exchanged, that's an important word, you should underline it in your Bible. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. They did not approve to have God in their knowledge. And God gave them over to a corrupted mind. These verses show us two choices. And I don't want to cut right to the end today, but I want to let you know. You have two choices. You can probably stay out of jail. You can probably raise a decent family. You can do quite a few things with the values that kind of we know around us, that positive peer pressure. But you are not going to have the impact on the world around you like you can unless this is part of your life, that you know God and know accurately about God in your thinking. We use our minds to grasp his truth, and the truth is found in his word. So I can say without any question that if you're a child of God today, it is his will that you know him better every day by spending time with him in his book, knowing why you were created. If I were to ask you, how are you getting closer to God And your main answers for quite some time do not include that you are growing in your understanding of the Bible, then you are choosing another kind of wisdom to direct you. You are allowing something to be more important than that understanding of God's Word. Now, many of you have been around long enough, maybe you've had the conversation with someone I'm closest with God. I learn the most about God when I just go out into nature and spend time there. If I can just go out on the boat on Sunday morning, then I'll be closer to God. And I, you know, got a little question there about that motive. Some people will say I can get closer to God by just, you know, spending time out in nature. And there's no doubt that the beauty of God's creation is something very sweet to us. But then, if there's someone who is praying for wisdom, someone who's praying for God's will, and we all need his wisdom, we all face difficult decisions. Sometimes we get to look at them a little bit in advance. Sometimes we have to decide right now. And if there is someone who prays to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, will you please teach me something about God and it is not coupled with a looking into God's book, then I want to suggest that that prayer to God is not just a kind prayer, show me what to do. If it's not coupled with the time spent in God's word, that is actually an insult to God. Can I tell you how the Holy Spirit might answer that prayer? I gave you a book. Look into my book. Don't try to find the answers in other places. God can answer prayer. God can give wisdom. He can teach us so much through our life, but it has to be coupled with our time in the book that he has given. 
We live in a day where we forget history. God has preserved this book for you and for me on the blood of martyrs. Individuals who have died because they wanted the common man to be able to have this book and read it for themselves. We are so blessed to be able to read God's book in freedom and to have the resources that we have. And I think that we work in a way that it is taken, it, we take advantage of the day we live in. We do not appreciate it. God wants you to pray to know the will for your life by also taking in his book. Your understanding of the Bible is necessary for maintaining your spiritual life. Let me go ahead and just ask one question that is important when we come to the Bible. Because if you start to talking, talking to somebody, maybe outside of Christianity, or maybe even a Christian, and they get wind that you're spending a lot of time in this book, this might be a question that would come up. How do people come to believe that this is really the Word of God? I mean, is it just a really, really wise book, a book of wisdom? How do people come to the point where they really believe this is God's book, this is the Word of God? Well, there's a few different approaches that people can take. There's a few different ways that you can gain confidence. One is the archaeological approach. It could be that you will take all the archaeological descriptions in the Bible and then start to line them up with what we know today of archaeology. And you will find that the Word of God is accurate. It is true. The longer we are around, the more we find out about this record of the Bible and archaeology. You could also um, approach it in taking on one argument that some people will make. And that argument that some will say is, well, isn't the Bible full of contradictions? You can jump in and you can do the hard work of the study. All the commonly known or commonly called contradictions in the Bible. And you can study through them. And here's what you will find. There is not one contradiction in the Word of God. There is nothing in the Word of God that discredits what its message is. You can study through that. Smart men, smart women have gone through that. But any book can be archaeologically correct, right? Just because it's archaeologically correct doesn't mean it's the Word of God. Any book can be short of contradictions. That does not mean that it is the Word of God. Ultimately, as we read God's book, this is the answer to that question. Ultimately, as we read God's book, these words speak to our minds. They speak to our heart in a way that no other book ever has. As a child of God with the Holy Spirit within, you sit down and you read this book and we will say this book is unlike anything else that I have ever experienced. In this book, I hear the voice of my Creator speaking to me. This is what has happened to millions and millions of believers over history. The power of God's word has burned in their heart. And even some sections that you know so well, you know what's coming. 
And the Holy Spirit uses that to firm up something. You will read God's Word with different eyes today than you did 20 years ago. The words are not just true, and they are. The words are not just reliable, and they are. But they are the very words of God. And one sign of success in your Bible time is when it transforms. Because I won't ask you to raise your hand. I would have my hand up if we were raising hands. But how many of you, without raising your hand, would agree, I've had a time where in my Bible it was kind of a have-to kind of a thing. It was a habit. It was my practice. Okay, well, what am I going through reading today? And it wasn't necessarily calling to me, but I went and I did it. But a beautiful place that God allows us to get to is when we move from that place where time in your Bible moves from a have to into a habit where you want to. Where you might say, I love that time of day. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Practically, what can we do? Well, the best way for you, to get to know, for you to get to know your Heavenly Father is by spending time alone with Him in prayer and in the Word. Now, you can pray at any time. In fact, if you've not jumped on this praying without ceasing um, challenge from God's Word, praying without ceasing, you need to. Anytime someone gives you a prayer request, you can walk away and pray immediately. You see a car that looks like someone you know's car that's going through something. You can pray for that person. Whenever someone comes to mind, you can pray. You can pray anytime. But my challenge for you is to have a set time, a specific time set, a t- set aside to be in God's Word, to read and to meditate on it. That can be in the morning. I'm a morning person. Not all of you are. Okay, I understand that. I've talked to some of you before 9 o'clock in the morning, and I don't recommend that you make your quiet time before 9 You're not awake yet. I've got a good cup of coffee in me before I've really started to take in my Bible. But as you go, if you need to revive that habit, I would challenge you, do what you need to do to revive that habit. Get back on board because here's why it's hard. One of the reasons why it's hard because the devil doesn't want you in God's word. The devil hates you in this book. Jesus Christ responded to his temptation with what? It was the scripture, the word of God. And the devil does not want you armed. He'll let you be armed with as much wisdom as this world will offer. A high degree, as many books as you can read, being around smart people. But he does not want you armed with this book. That's why it's hard. If you are just now starting out, let me give you a few tips. These are some things that you can do. First of all, start with a a request for God to help you. I can remember this week saying, what do you have for me today, Lord? What do you have for me today? If you've never started reading in the Bible, I'd recommend you start in the New Testament. I would recommend John. John is the story of the life of Jesus. It reads beautifully. It's got the gospel in it. It's a great place. Once you finish John, if you do that in you know, less than 30 days, go right into Acts, where the church started. If you've never had a practice to reading the Bible before, or if this is all new to you, you can. Now, let me give you a quiz. Where do you think, this is from my experience, so it's subjective, but as I hear back from people that are just now starting to read the Bible, where do you think the very first place most people start to read is? It's the book of Genesis, which is beautiful. 
and lovely and colorful and gives us a foundation. And then they keep going and they get into Exodus, which is just as colorful and beautiful for about 20 chapters. And if you're brand new to Christianity or the church or Bible reading, you get to just past Exodus 20, you're going to have all kinds of questions. And if you dig into four chapters in Exodus and then Leviticus and then Numbers, my experience is people fall away from that practice. They stop that. Start in the New Testament. I think that every Christian should at one time at least read through the entire book. It's my practice to be in the Old Testament and the New Testament and the songs. In addition to that, a proverb a day. That's what I do. But start out in the New Testament if you don't have any practices. And then look for these things. As you read, be looking for one of the following. Maybe a special promise you can claim. You have to know what promises are for you that you're reading. There are some things in there that aren't for you, which is going to take time to study that through. Also look for maybe a command that you should follow. The Holy Spirit will convict you as you hold up. This is called, this is referred to as a mirror. As you hold up the mirror of God's word, you will see some things you need to change. Maybe a section that inspires you. I can remember going across some sections of the Bible and saying, I've got to go over that again. And I'll spend maybe four days, maybe more, going over the same chapter because it was such a blessing to me. Or perhaps a meaningful verse that applies to your situation. Just the right verse that God gives you. Okay, one last challenge for us. Who is this for in the Christian group of people? Who is this for? Is this only for the really, really, really intelligent people? Or is it only for the people who the Bible is the only book they ever read? Who is this for? The Word of God is for all of God's children. There is a supernatural promise that he who lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and God will give it freely. You need to be taking in God's book. And if you're a genius, you'll only be better for it. You'll add wisdom to your smarts. And if you're more simple, then this is going to be an incredible light. I love to talk to an individual who's got bad grammar, no education. And as I talk to him, the word of God just falls out of him. That is an individual that is set up to succeed in this world. And that's what you can be. Maybe you need to have your habit revived. Don't forget, the devil's going to try to get you to quit. Don't stop. This is something that the devil hates for us to do. And that as we do this and as we grow and take in our own learning, and as we surround ourselves with other teachers, maybe through reading, maybe through radio programs, Come and hear a, a lesson here in Sunday school or a sermon. But it's not enough. You need to be taking in God's word for yourself. Because God's beautiful word for you and for me, it becomes, it lays its identity on us. And it allows you tomorrow, on Monday, to have some light. So you don't have to stub your toe on that obstacle. And it also gives you wisdom to know exactly where to place your foot. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you, 
I hold your book in my hand. I come to you a grateful son. I thank you of all the many things that I can learn about you from others. I thank you for what, what I can learn about you as I see you involved in my life. But God, I thank you very, very sweetly now for your word. Would you allow it to spill out of my life? And I would pray for this congregation. I would pray for anyone listening to this message today that you would allow the word of God to be so special. Maybe someone's starting off brand new and they'll jump in tomorrow. And my experience is it's very, very sweet. There is a time where it's a habit. It's a practice. It's a discipline. And God, we thank you that it turns into something that is so real and special as we look and see the words of our creator on these pages. Help us not to take it for granted. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, as we um, approach the baptism time, I want to give you a chance to pray. We're going to sing a song in just a moment, and as we sing that song, it's about God's word. And I would challenge you, if you don't have a time of a time every day in God's word, to try to start that practice now, or maybe you let it go by the wayside sometime back. Pick up that habit right now. Maybe you're here today, and this talk about um, you know God's word being alive to Christians, you're not sure what that is. We haven't talked a lot about the gospel today, which is Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world so that we could have salvation. And after that salvation, that's when we start to take in his book. But if, if, it's, if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, never been born again, we would invite you, even this morning, just to pray and ask God for forgiveness. He'll forgive you for your sins just for the asking. Nothing else you have to do. You just ask him to forgive you and to save you. I want to take just a moment, just, just a few seconds now, for you to pray. And if you're here today and would like to ask God to save you, pray that prayer even during this time, and then we'll close with a song.